Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shana Dubay, your host. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. For those of you that have joined us before, welcome back. For those new listeners, we are so happy to have you with us today. For anyone who missed the first couple episodes, go back and take a listen. There's so much good information on self-love, how masculine and feminine energies communicate. You definitely do not want to miss them. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so we can see your input on what you guys think and what you guys like to hear about in future episodes. Make sure to also follow us on our new Instagram and TikTok pages at RelationFixPod. You can also email us at RelationFixPodcast at gmail.com. So today is going to be an intense and really fully packed episode. So Super, super packed. Like yes. Pages and <laughs> manuscripts lots and long. Lots of notes. Yes. But it's really, really, really important. So we're going to really? talk about core beliefs and how they shape who we are and how they impact our relationships. So in our very first episode about loving yourself, we talked about pre-programming. So I just want to do a little review so that for those of you who haven't heard it, which you should go back and listen, you will have an idea of what pre-programming is. So this is the information that's stored in our subconscious minds during the developmental stages of our lives from birth to around the age of eight years old. Our pre-programming is how we learn how to walk, talk, feed ourselves, etc. But part of our pre-programming is the development of our core beliefs. Beliefs are just simply things we believe are true about ourselves, other people, and the world. We literally say them all the time. If you listen to someone talk, even just for a few minutes, you're going to begin to understand what their beliefs are. Core beliefs are the foundation of our belief structure and they impact our decisions, emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. So our core beliefs are really the roots of all of the other beliefs in our life. The good thing about beliefs is that they can change over time. So, you know, it might be possible that at one time you believed Santa would come down your invisible chimney. Can you stop ruining Santa for me, please? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, For anyone out there who still believes in Santa, just close your ears. And, you know, I might have an eight-year-old daughter who still talks to her stuffed animals as if they're alive. So there are things that we believe when we're younger that, you know, change over time. And that's a really good thing because beliefs can change. You know, I used to have imaginary friends, but then I used to have specific animals that I would like identify as something like I gave them names. Like there was one time there was a squirrel that jumped onto my bedroom window, but I named her Laura. (laughs) And then I Laura na- the squirrel. And then there was like bumblebees and I would name the bumblebees too. Like I don't know if that has anything to Yeah, I mean I definitely think Because I, I believed they were like my I don't know, just other friends. <laughs> well, I mean, they really are your friends. Now those those animals are alive, so certainly they have like an energy of Well, their I did stuff the animals too, so, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean we all did, right? We all did. We all played make believe. The hard thing about beliefs you know, especially core beliefs, is that people believe that they are true and therefore they act as if they're true. Beliefs can be mm-hmm. even more powerful than our own instinct to survive. I don't know if you saw Braveheart. I know I did. But we all kind of remember long, that. Long time ago. Right? We all remember that part where Mel Gibson shouts like, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And all the men scream and yell. And so you can see what 
William Wallace's beliefs were. So he has a very deep-seated belief in a person's ability to decide the fate of their own lives. And so, you know, him and the other soldiers, they were willing to die for this. And we see this over and over and over again in life. There are countless examples of this, people willing to die on the hill of their beliefs. So why is it important? Well, if your beliefs, particularly your core beliefs, impact your thoughts, emotions, behaviors, then this becomes literally kind of who you are. It becomes your identity. You become the person that you think you are. We all think that you are the person you are, and therefore your beliefs come from that. But actually, it's really impacted by how we think about ourselves. It's hold, so powerful. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think for a second. I am a rich, talented, gorgeous supermodel. <laughs> yes, you are. In my <laughs> eyes, you're already that way. I'm working towards it. Way to manifest. I love that. Oh, we love a good <laughs> manifestation. Yes. Well, and you know what? If you believe that and you act as if it's true and you make decisions like those people make, then chances are that's the life that you would create for yourself. It's interesting to think about it. Well, I believe I'm going to be, you know, like a an author. I feel like I got it going on. I write. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can write and not be struggling. That's your next Ugh. That's your next venture. That's the right? goal. Love that. That's that's what we're going to work on today. <laughs> Absolutely. Because those things that limit us and limit our ability to move forward are the things that we want to address. Because core beliefs that are positive or helpful, we don't really need to work on those too much because those are helpful to move us forward. But we're going to work on the ones that are limiting. So when we kind of look at identity, you know, um, anyone who knows me knows how much I love Tony Robbins. And he has this quote that I use with my clients all the time. And I say to myself all the time, and it's the most powerful force in the human personality is the need to consistently define ourselves. So think about that. What he means is that we are constantly reinforcing who we believe we are, our identity, by shaping our lives and our experiences to meet those definitions, right? If your beliefs are that you are a happy, positive, driven, successful person, then your life is going to follow suit. If you believe that you're going to be a rich supermodel and, strut, strut. and you make those decisions to go that way and that's your guiding belief, then your life is going to follow suit. It doesn't mean that you won't have problems or there won't be obstacles that you run into on your way to stardom, but the way that you meet your challenges are going to be different because your positive beliefs about yourself are, or your core beliefs about yourself are positive. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're going to stay like who we are. And I know you just mentioned this earlier too, like who we are at 10 years old doesn't mean we have to still be that same exact, like have those same exact beliefs when we're 20, 30, 40. I mean, I was... I think my beliefs were changing, especially when we're younger. My beliefs were changing like every six months, every year. Absolutely. And that and that's the that's the powerful thing about beliefs is that they can change over time. Oftentimes they change organically over time, depending upon our experiences or uh, someone else that we might meet. Or if we work on things, we can change our beliefs. But there are a lot of patterns that we do continue later in life that were formed earlier, which is part of the pre-programming. Mm -hmm. So what happens if your identity is made up of negative beliefs or limiting beliefs, shameful core beliefs? Things like I'm not good enough, smart enough, successful enough, thin enough. That's a big one for me. I've no pun intended. Happy enough, like lots of different ways. Am I not good enough in some way? This becomes who we believe we are. 
it's not necessarily who we are, but it's who we believe we are. And therefore, we alter and shape the experiences we have around these beliefs. And this is also the person that we bring to our relationships. So one of the most important things that we can do to improve ourselves and our relationships is to understand our patterns. Core beliefs are just patterns that have become ingrained so much that we believe it's who we are. It's hard to break a pattern. Oh, it really, really is. And for me, I had a long time pattern of feeling like I was too much. I was too sensitive. I felt too much. And because of this, people would always leave me. They would reject me because it was just too much. And so I always was trying to cover that up. And it feels still feels really true in a lot of ways, even though I've done so much work on it. And there's a lot of evidence to the contrary that this is not really always true for me. But it's so intrinsic to my experience that I have to constantly work on that. And this belief has really caused me a great deal of pain over the years. And I've worked really hard to change a lot of it, but I've lost a lot of things believing that this is true. Well, what's what's the definition of too much or did or were other people's perceptions? Was it a different definition of your own? I think that that was my interpretation of other people's reactions because I'm a very sensitive and emotional person. I think other people's idea of me was that I was very emotional And I was so extra or really dramatic Mm -hmm. and it was hard to deal with. And of course, because I had such strong feelings, but I also felt deep shame about them. I tried to cover them up as much as possible. So when they did come out, it was so much bigger and so much more than it probably would have been had I just expressed it to begin with. And therefore, it made it seem even worse. And so it was just like a vicious cycle and made me feel even worse about it. So it was just this shame cycle that I was in. And then it ended up having such, you know, negative reactions to the people around me because they were like, I I can't deal with this. I don't know how to deal with it. And I didn't know how to deal with it either. But, you know, that that was part of my core belief was that, you know, my emotions were bad, that my level of sensitivity was too much for other people to deal with, and that ultimately they would walk away because I was just too much. And it's it's a really painful And I know I there's a lot of people that feel this way. And you were just saying similarly that, you know, you've had that feeling, too, that you feel like sometimes people look at you as like you're too much. Well, it took me many, many years to realize that sensitive was always painted to me as such a negative belief or a negative core thing about oneself. And Mm -hmm. it's not. No, the thing is, is when it's a core belief too, what ends up happening is when you look at your life around you. Anything that supports the belief that we have about ourselves, then we kind of pull it in and collect it and we use it as evidence to support the belief that we have about ourselves. It reinforces that belief over and over again. And then anything that happens in our life that actually is opposite to it, we delete, distort or generalize it to lessen the impact or we just totally reject any evidence that doesn't support it. Mm -hmm. So for myself, if my core belief was that people would reject me because my sensitivity level was too, too high and therefore I was unlovable, then anytime someone would tell me that they loved me or show me that they love me, I could just justify it away. So it kind of sounds like this. Oh, they say they love me, but they just want to be around me because I can offer them something that helps them or I can be supportive. And if I'm having a hard time, then they don't want to be around me or they just don't know all the reasons yet why they shouldn't love me. We just met or it's early on in a relationship and therefore 
they just know the good parts about me. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I know other people have done this that have told me and I've done it myself is like, let's tell them all the things that they shouldn't love about me and up the ante, up the ante, up the ante and ends up sabotaging the relationship. And eventually the other person will reach a threshold where they just can't deal with it anymore because it's gotten so crazy. But then what ends up happening is that they leave and then I would go, see? told you everybody leaves me i'm yeah. right i get to be right and it reinforces the belief but i'm not actually looking at what caused that and that my insecurity in that space is actually what made it so much worse i'm definitely guilty of waiting for the other shoe to drop type of situations absolutely like, yeah i'm always i've always been guilty of that i literally when i <laughs> when i started a relationship my last relationship I literally was like, can I just give you a list of all the things about me that are bad so you know ahead of time so that way you can reject me right now <laughs> before like we do those things, right? Because we're just like all these things I feel ashamed about myself and I just I want you to know up front because I feel so vulnerable and it's so hard. Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of like I don't know, it, it, I guess it yeah, it definitely touches back on core beliefs where one of my guilty ones is the whole not feeling good enough, especially when you're getting to know someone new and they seem so great and you're like how are they like how are they capable of seeing all these great things about me when I don't even see those in myself? Yes. And so you can see how that that loops back to the core beliefs. Because if you have this feeling like this person is so awesome, why would they ever choose me? I so get that. I so get that. I don't know if anybody out there <laughs> relates <laughs> has, to that at all. I think like half the world. Right? But that that feeling of I'm not worthy in some way, that's a core belief. Like there's something about me that just doesn't measure up. That feeling of shame or unworthiness is part of a core belief that you have of yourself. And so you can only imagine what it would have been like way back when to be in a relationship with me <laughs> it was not, not necessarily the easiest thing. I think my ex-husband probably could attest to that a little bit. Um, I wasn't much fun either. <laughs> well, I mean, fun in a chaotic way. Yeah, like sorry, it was entertaining. It was a good, yeah, it was a good bestseller. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's also really painful for us too, though. You know what I mean? It's not, it's painful for your partner, but it's also painful for you yeah. to kind of go through this because you're constantly in this, space of feeling either rejected by the other person or rejected by yourself. But sometimes that intensity feels good. It's not right, but it can't like, why good. does that feel good? Some, you know, like that adrenaline. <laughs> it feels good because we're kind of addicted to the emotion of it. Yeah. Uh, Joe Dispenza does a lot of work on being sort of addicted to our emotional patterns, which is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Definitely check that out if you ever get a chance. Mm -hmm. But the pattern this it's just a story that we've made up about who we are. It's not really who we are. It's an identity that we've given ourselves as a reaction to our experiences in life. The challenge and I will say blessing is that we don't have to stick with this identity. We actually get to choose our own. It's kind of like those choose your own adventure novels. In reality, we can do that. We can create a new identity, new core beliefs, and that transforms our life so we can have a different life new relationships. People actually do this all the time. If you change your story, you can literally change your life. I kind of struggle with conflicting beliefs from outside forces. So for example, I've been told I'm like 
an excellent re- representation of the gay community. And I've also been told I'm a disgrace to the gay community. So then it kind of leaves you. I'm like, man, like, what am I really? What I would say is that that says much more about those people's beliefs than yours. Okay. So if you choose to take that in, well, let me ask you, which one do you take in easier? You're an awesome representation or you suck? I mean, if I were to be frank, (laughs) (laughs) I would say that it's as much as the nice compliments are to get four, like three, four hundred compliments feel great. But then one or two negative ones can completely override the system. This is very common. It, we so many of us do this. It's pretty it's pretty common. What happens? The reason we take that in is because there's something about that comment that aligns with a core belief you have about yourself. Mm, and when that happens, that's again. why we take it in. <laughs> so you take that in so much easier because there's something in that comment, in those negative comments that align with a limiting or negative belief you have about yourself. Powerful. In order to change our story, we need to move into the present moment and have awareness of our patterns in order to change them. You can't change something that you're not aware of. We can't keep living primarily in our pre-programming if we expect to grow and change. So we have to identify our beliefs and replace them with new ones that are more empowering. Here's where we do the work. Ugh, work. Right? Everyone get ready because this is the most powerful part. I want you to go grab a piece of paper. If you can grab your notebook, your little journal, whatever works right now while we're here, ready to do this. Just do it. If you're driving, like don't get in an accident or be late for work. Just We we don't want to be sued. (laughs) No, (laughs) just make a note of the time on the episode and then you can come back later for this exercise. But you want to be in a place where you can actually write some of this down. So this is what I want you to do. Write down what you believe is true about yourself, other people, and the world. Write as many things down as you can. So what do I believe is true about myself, other people, and the world? You can use those as three different categories. Don't edit yourself. Don't change them. Just be honest. I want you to write the positive ones, the negative ones, and the ones in between. Even if they're scary or hard, just write it down. This is not an assessment of your worth. This is just about the patterns that are running your life. Remember that not all your beliefs are going to be negative. That's okay to have positive ones. And actually, that's great. Some of your beliefs are going to be very helpful. And those are really good to know. Once you know them, then you get to identify which ones are limiting you the most. And you can work on changing those. If you aren't willing to see them, they can't be changed. So we asked all you beautiful people on Facebook the following question. If you had to describe yourself, what would you say? So interesting. We, I know, I know. So we got Stephanie L here. She says that she um, identifies as being funny, curious, artistic, open-minded, egalitarian, mother, wife, and advocate. I love that. I do too. And I love her behind stuff. The thing that I find interesting about this comment is some of it, she described herself by her role, mother, wife, advocate. So she had some other traits that you would see, 
but it's interesting to see how how women definitely do this i was just gonna ask yeah do women do that a lot yeah i think they do when they say you know tell me about yourself what do people say well i work here (laughs) i'm a mom i'm a wife i'm a fill in the blank i know i don't i don't hear many guys yeah i don't hear many guys be like well i'm a dad as like the first you know yeah it it definitely is something that women do a lot. And a lot of times we define ourselves by our roles. Mm-hmm. So it's in, it's interesting, but obviously funny, curious, artistic, like those are really beautiful things. So if you had to say, you know, potentially, what do you think her core beliefs are about herself? She has some positive core beliefs about herself. She sees herself as funny, curious, artistic, open-minded, egalitarian. So those are like really beautiful, positive things. I'm sure she potentially has some limiting beliefs about herself as well, but this is how she sees herself. And so that is how she's going to be. If you are around her, most likely that's what you're going to kind of run into because she believes that to be true about herself. Hmm. What else? So Bradley T Hmm. said that he's resilient, compassionate, empathetic, good in a crisis. I feel like I'm most of these things. (laughs) Yeah, right. But those are really good traits. Just like Stephanie's, you can see how Bradley feels about himself. And so when I look at people who've done this, I think you had somebody in your childhood or in your life who was really helpful to you growing up, or you've done a lot of work I was on gonna, yourself. I was going to say, especially, especially with Bradley's, and I know Steph personally, so I, I, with both of them, I could assume, but Bradley's answer especially his response definitely sounds like he really put in the work because things like being empathetic, being resilient, that Absolutely. takes a lot. Like you have to really go through some stuff to and work through that and overcome it. Absolutely. And so you can see what, what happens and how those beliefs can change and how much they guide your life because it's hard to be good in a crisis if you've never had to overcome crisis. <laughs> exactly. Right? So we had a couple others. So from Gary F, um, his comment was a disappointment. Oh. That's hard. That's Can I tell you that's devastating? It is. For me, like to to think about that. And so if I had to break it down and take my like emotional self out of that, Gary, you are not a disappointment. No. I don't know if you can hear this, but if you are, you're not. But I would say that his core beliefs about himself are not more on the positive side. You can see the difference from where Stephanie and Bradley were to how Gary sees himself and it's only one word and it's a very descriptive word. And that comes from a space of not feeling like you're good enough for some reason. Obviously I would want to explore that further with him, but I think it gives you a very quick snapshot into his core belief structure. That's a, that's a really hard belief to live with every day. Oh my gosh. For sure. That's heavy. It's devastating. I think a lot of us have experienced that feeling and maybe mm-hmm. it didn't run as deep um oh. and for like so long for some of us but it's i just want to give him a hug it's <laughs> I just, really do yeah it's really hard to i'm tearing up a little bit because right me too it's i know i've i've also you know had that belief about myself and yes. it's just that it ties it i think it ties in a little bit with like the i'm not good enough mm-hmm. and because i'm not good enough i'm going to yes. disappoint everyone yeah it's really hard it's really devastating i think most of us know that you know Brene brown would call it the warm wash of shame you know we all kind of know that feeling that we just don't measure up in some way 
and to feel like a disappointment, it's, it's a devastating feeling. I keep saying devastating because that's really how it feels internally for me. And just like you, it kind of makes me tear up a little bit because I understand the feeling it's, and it's, there's not a lot of words to describe it. It's a, it's a feeling that it's a, it's a house that you only want to visit. You don't want to call it home. For sure. Firas G said, um, confrontational. That's a really interesting comment. I can, I can relate to that a little bit, but we, Mm. yeah, we both can go into that on what your thoughts. Well, my thoughts would first be, that's not necessarily a core belief. That's sort of a, a more surface belief. Like I'm confrontational. The core belief for me, if I had to make a lot of assumptions, which you have to make around only a one word answer, I would say that there's a core belief that either I need to be right in order to be significant or someone in his life, especially when he was young, told him he was wrong all the time. And this came up as a defense mechanism. There's an idea in there. If you're confrontational, it means that you're you will argue with people or tell people that they're wrong. Confrontational is is a very active word. And so for me, I would say that there's an underlying fear of being rejected or fear of being wrong in some way and therefore unlovable. It always comes back to love for us. It just does. We we are a loving species at our core. Community connection and love is the most important thing for us. And so oftentimes these beliefs are things that are attempting to help us achieve love. And so if Firas is going to be confrontational, then there's a reason for it. Yeah, I kind of took it a little bit as I had to fight in order to be heard or in order to receive attention. Or Yes. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I looked at it, at oh, least I first glance. That. Yeah, I love that. I For me, you know, that one of my core beliefs I shared a little bit ago was this idea of feeling like I was too much and therefore people would reject me. Do you have, you know, some core beliefs that you think have guided some of your behavior? Yeah, I think so. And (laughs) welcome to another therapy session. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 I'm in the hot seat. We even have the light on by accident, but (laughs) you don't have to go deep. No, I mean, just, yeah, but I'm a deep person. So yeah, but I, you know, you never know who's listening. So right. They're all I wanna, Frank the producer. I want to still get hired for jobs, you know, in the future. <laughs> right? I know this is one of the jobs, but <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't fire me. No, <laughs> um, never. I definitely have some that battle each other. So deep down, I do believe I'm a good person, but then there's like a. I, can I say that everything before the butt is bullshit? Just saying. Go ahead. I wish it was. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> to kind of counter that, I feel like I've had to also be manipulative. And what I mean by that, so for example, like I play I play poker, I play Texas Hold'em, and you can't always be truthful to win. Sometimes you have to bluff, you have to yes. to get through. And sometimes in life, like you had to I watch a lot of Survivor too and it's like you had to you know like there's certain life that which i know it's a tv show but it's like sometimes in order i you know i had learned at a younger age sometimes in order to get ahead you had to do what you growing up in a low-income family like you had to do what you had to do yes 
to either get ahead or work up in some way or just looking at certain certain behaviors of how people older than me acted Mm -hmm. it was like oh okay maybe that's how i handle a situation it's not the right way to do things but well it's important to note that just because you have core beliefs that lead you to do you know manipulative things those things started as a way to create love and connection yeah and so it's just are those things still helpful for you do they still help you at this point and you know what you would do so if we talk about poker that's part of, it's part of the game that you're going to do that and survivor also is a game life is a game though sometimes you it know ca- it can feel like a game sometimes but the stakes are a lot higher you know in the game of life exactly <laughs> i would think that there's there's an understanding when you're playing poker or when you're a contestant on Survivor that there's going to be sneaky, underhanded things that are happening. In life, you might understand that there are people who are doing that, but you don't want to make connections with people who are manipulative. You want to make connections with people who are authentic. I, and so it's a different it's a different set of rules. It's a different construct. I agree with you when you say we don't want to make connections with those types of people, but sometimes we just become that person Absolutely. and it's hard to admit that. Mm-hmm. And I know growing up, I wouldn't say I'm a manipulative person today, but growing up, mm-hmm. I could definitely identify that because of just certain actions. So why would you manipulate to get what I wanted? Yes. To meet a need, right? Yeah. We all do that. We all change and make decisions to meet our needs. And here's the thing about needs too we will dump our values in the bin to meet a need. Even if that's not really who we are, if we have a need that needs to be filled, sometimes we won't live by our values in order to meet a need. We're all doing that. But how you meet your needs is up to you. You can meet them in positive ways, neutral ways, or negative ways. You can do it by not hurting other people or by hurting other people. You get to make that decision. But I would say I am manipulative is a belief certainly but i would say there's a deeper belief below the idea of being manipulative what i would say is maybe the belief is i can't be my authentic self and get what i need so to tie into that Mm. because something else i wrote down that is maybe the one we could dig deeper into Mm. is that no is my belief that no one's completely trustworthy oh so i i guess i would ask you how does that impact your relationships a lot yeah (laughs) right you can ask all of them (laughs) that's yeah it's that's a good one and see i guess oh boy you surprised me with that one (laughs) wow yeah see it's not the show's not scripted (laughs) no boy that's interesting i i think as we go along the rest of the exercise might be interesting to work on that one yeah i love that hmm So as you can see, with Frank and I going through this and actually breaking down some of our Facebook comments, I want you to look at your list and break down and see if you can get to the core of some of these beliefs. So you can see how with Frank's, when we're kind of talking about him being manipulative, he's attempting to meet a need, but the belief underneath it is... I have to be manipulative in order to meet my needs, or I can't be fully honest. Or he can say, I can't really trust other people 
because they're not being honest. So I also have to be dishonest in order to survive amongst all these other people. And that's why we can't trust people. So you can see how they kind of coincide together. So I want you to look at your paper. Once you have this list, see if you can kind of distill some of them down and, and get a core belief. See if you can get to the base of what you believe is true about yourself or other people. You know, Frank kind of distilled it down for you and said, other people are not trustworthy. No one is 100% trustworthy, which you can see in your head how that would impact his relationships as he goes through life. Because no matter who comes into his life, he's saying, "There's, I can never trust you 100%, which definitely breaks down relationships and makes it really hard. This is the point, Frank, when people <laughs> say to me, that's so great, Shana. I understand what my core beliefs are. How do I change them? Right? That's always the thing, right? And I, I so get question. that, right? That's always the question. This is where the work continues, but it gets a little deeper here. And I really want to warn people ahead of time that this process can be really emotional because you're looking at things that are sometimes deep-seated. Sometimes things of like, I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. There's something about me that if other people knew I would not be worthy of love and belonging. You know, when I had to look at that piece of myself saying, I'm never going to be good enough because I'm too emotional and people will always leave me in my life. You know, looking at that can sometimes be emotional. So I want to make sure that you take care of yourself in whatever way you need. If you need to pause it and take time, come back, that's okay too. Talk to someone. Obviously, if you have a therapist and you're working through some of this stuff, that's okay to do that. So whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, do that during this process. So I want you to look at those. And if you've been able to distill it down to what a core belief is, or just use any of your beliefs that limit you. So if we look at mine, it's I'm too sensitive and therefore everyone's going to reject me. If we look at Frank's, like you can never trust anyone a 100%. You pick those and now you ask yourself these questions. So this is the second section to write down. Number one is this question. What is the cost of believing these things and how has it impacted my life so far? So you can write this like a narrative. I want to know how has this belief negatively impacted your life? Because it's a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would look like I overreacted to a lot that other people said. I constantly felt in pain around other people. I didn't feel like I could trust other people. I was always looking for the next reason that they were going to leave me. I would stifle all of my emotions and push it down because I was so worried that if other people saw it, they would run away. So that's how it impacted it. And then eventually it would just bust out and you just pop off. Yep. So, which made things so much worse. I want you to kind of write that down right now. Like I said, this can be intense. So take the time that you need, go slow, take a break if you need to. Okay. So that's number one. That's the first question. The second question what will it cost me if I keep repeating this pattern in the future? So I want you to think first about your past. How did this impact me in my past relationships, my past life and right now? And if I can use a visualization to project this belief further into the future, how can I see this pattern impacting me? 
I'm going to explain a little bit about why this is important. What you're looking for is a compelling reason to change these beliefs. You're looking for a compelling why. When people have difficulty changing, especially things that are really hard, like intrinsic core beliefs, it's rarely because they don't have the knowledge or the skills. It's almost always because they don't have enough motivation. But we can really force ourselves to do things that are hard or scary or uncomfortable if we have a strong enough reason why. So for example, Frank, if your dog was drowning in a freezing cold pool, would you jump in to save him? Of course. Do you want to jump into a freezing pool? Not my first choice. (laughs) (laughs) No, right? Everyone says, no, of course not. But the cost of not doing it is greater than the fear of the uncomfortability of jumping into a freezing pool or freezing river, right? If your child was drowning or your dog or someone that you love, you would just jump in to save them. No one hesitates to say they absolutely would do that because there's a reason. So this is what the point of this piece of the exercise is, is to find out like, what is your jump in the river reason? What reason can you come up with? I want you to see the pain that this particular thing has caused you, this particular belief has caused you and will continue to cause you over time. And that is motivation for you to want to change it. So you're looking for a compelling reason why. So with mine, I guess I struggle when it comes to mistrust. Exactly what would be my jump in or how would we dissect this? Or do we go back to those other questions? Yeah, that's so that's the point of the question. So if you were to say that, if we're going to go from the belief of you can't trust anyone 100 Mm percent, what has this costed you so far in your life till now? Not being able to trust the people around you. How has it impacted you? I mean, it definitely costs genuine long-term relationships, at least romantic ones, especially. Yeah. But, but any any interpersonal ones, I guess. Mm-hmm. And how did it impact them? What were the decisions that you made or the thoughts that you had or the emotions that you had in that space because you knew you couldn't trust those people? Definitely racing intrusive thoughts, and which would then spark conflict and fights. Yeah, right. And repetitive fights. Mm-hmm. and. So you're thinking, I know I can't trust this person. What are they doing? What's going to happen? And then your emotions are coming up as fear, anger, hurt. And then the decisions that you choose to make, the actions that you take following that are going to be ones that follow that thought process. So you're going to be like, what are you doing? What, you know, why were you in this particular place? You might do things that you wouldn't normally do. It's almost like preparing for a war that didn't need to happen. A hundred percent. That's a beautiful analogy. And so now I want you to think, what would happen if you continue this pattern further into your life? Let's say five years from now, 10 years from now, you continue the pattern of not being able to trust anybody that's in your life. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm going to, oh, I'm tearing up. I'm going to be alone. You know, yeah, it's going to be a really lonely, isolating existence. And if you do manage to find someone you want to spend time with, what is going to be the quality of the relationship? There's definitely going to be tension. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're baking something and then something gets into the dough and it doesn't make it like this perfect dessert or anything because there's always there's like that hinder. It's almost like I guess a better example is actually putting salt instead of sugar into yeah. 
baking something. So it's like there's going to be this bitterness a little bit yes. in there that's always going to ruin the mm-hmm. taste and the quality. Yeah. And if you put salt in, it doesn't matter what you do to it, you end up having to throw out the mix. Yeah. And that's no one wants to keep throwing out yeah. mix after mix and piles up. And so how does that make you feel? about your future with this particular belief besides not good it (laughs) it also kind of like going back to when you said like the i was right Mm -hmm. type of feeling for me it's the waiting for the shoe to drop and it and there we go it dropped and a lot of it was my own doing yes yes because we're we're active participants in our relationships so i think that you can see without like really having to push further Although I I would if we weren't recording, (laughs) but, you know, in a therapeutic space with a therapist or something like that, that could support you when going through it, you know, being able to see and visualize what kind of pain that will cause you. That's what you have in your head when you say this has to change now. I have to work on this and this has to change. This is not a should. This is a must. It must change because my life will be lonely and empty if it's not because I'm always going to be putting salt in instead of sugar. So you can see how that feels incredibly compelling. I feel compelled for you. I know that for myself, when I'm doing this work for myself, I know that my beliefs about being too much and being rejected have really impacted the entirety of my life. I lost my marriage, my home, my dogs, my family, like so much. Oh, now I'm going to tear up. (laughs) It's okay. But that's what happens sometimes when these beliefs are so strong that they impact how we react. They impact our decisions. So that's why this is so important. Because in the end, people really only do things for two reasons. If any of my clients are listening right now, they're going to know exactly what I'm saying because I drill this in their head, just like it's been drilled into mine. One is to gain pleasure and the other is to avoid pain. Mm. Which one do you think is more powerful? Well, gaining pleasure or avoiding pain? Gotta, as much as I want to say pleasure, gotta go with the pain. <laughs> yeah. Avoiding pain is by far more powerful. It's like 10,000 times more powerful. So keep this in mind, you know, as you're coming up with, reasons to change these beliefs, you get to find a positive reason and a reason that avoids pain. So what's one big benefit or pleasure that will come out of changing this? And what kind of pain has it caused you and what pain is to come if you continue this pattern? We know sort of the negative space, but if you were to change this belief, what's a really big benefit or something really pleasurable or happy could come out of this change for you i mean definitely higher quality relationships probably more interpersonal relationships yeah i would say maybe more effective communication yeah so less reassurance who doesn't want better relationships i mean relationships are the foundation of our life yeah but you can see how when you said those things this is a good example of how pleasure is not nearly as powerful. So when you say those things, you're like, yeah, I'd have better relationships. This is going to be awesome, right? And and yes, it is going to be awesome. But when you're like, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life Stick and it's going to be a horrible, lonely existence, it's devastating and by far more compelling. And that's why we can see avoiding pain is more compelling. 
So that's why it's important to understand these things. I don't want you guys to overthink it. I don't want you to get lost in it. This is meant to create self-awareness and help you see your patterns. So now that you have your list and we have our compelling reasons why, let's see if there's something we can come up to replace them with. The easiest thing to do is to just do the opposite. So if your core belief or my core belief was I'm too sensitive, some people always leave me, my new belief could be people love me because I'm sensitive. You don't want to use the negative. So I wouldn't say I'm not too sensitive because the energy of being too sensitive is still in that statement. So you want to look for the opposite. So if the belief is I'm a failure, the new belief would be I'm successful. Here's the problem with this strategy. It works on paper, but most people are really invested in their limiting beliefs. So if you really believe that this limiting belief is true, then the opposite just kind of feels like a lie or it's made up. It doesn't feel impactful. Most people can't believe that type of thing right away because their limiting belief is just too strong. Remember, we, we will die on the hill of our belief. I was beliefs. just thinking that. Right, right? We will. So what I usually have people do is find some evidence in your life that supports a new belief that's more powerful and that can start breaking down that limiting belief. So I'll use myself as an example again. If my limiting belief is I'm too sensitive, so people are always going to leave me. Maybe a new belief could be people come into my life all the time or my sensitivity allows me to be creative, which draws people to me. It's hard for people to leave my life if they haven't shown up to begin with, right? So if I'm shifting my focus to people coming in rather than noticing the people who are leaving. So I'm shifting my focus. Or I can look at the positive aspects of my sensitivity, how it's a gift in my life rather than a problem. So if you can attempt to notice all the things in your life that actually oppose your limiting belief, these are the things that we generally disregard. I want you to pay attention to those. If you need to right now, pause again and take some time to really write this down, write the things that you're grateful for, write the things that oppose the limiting belief that you have. So Frank, if you, if we're going to continue this limiting belief of not being able to trust people, mm -hmm. what are the events or things that have happened in your life that show you you can trust people? I would say, I guess when someone says, I'll show up for you, and then they actually do. Yeah, right? So if you have a belief that you can't trust people, but then they do something trustworthy, then you can see that it's maybe not that black and white. But what ends up happening is if you have a belief that you really can't fully trust people, then those things, it's not that you're not going to notice them. It's just the weight of that is going to be much lower. You're going to lessen the impact. So you're going to say, yeah, they did this. That was great. But then if they do something that you think is untrustworthy, you're going to be like, it's easy this for... has much higher weight than the other one does. Yeah, it's easy for it to take over for sure. Totally. So if you had to think about replacing, finding something believable to replace that belief with, what would you pick for yourself? I would, I guess more believable for me would be something along the lines of, I trust people when they show up for me. Yeah. 
I want you to see like it hasn't brought you all the way to the other side of like really being like I can trust in people, but it breaks down the belief of I can't trust anyone 100%. What you're saying is, is the people who show up for me, I'm going to give them credit for showing up for me. I'm going to notice that and I'm going to be grateful for it. And I'm going to bring that into my experience and not delete those things. I'm going to start to have that piece show up for myself. And that's how it starts to transform. So now you have one or two limiting core beliefs, a new belief to replace it with, and some really compelling reasons why changing these patterns is a must. So at this point, this is where continuity and discipline comes in. Use your new belief like a mantra. Say it over and over and over again. Act as if this new belief is the truth and make decisions from this space. So if you're going to say, I can trust people who show up for me, then every time someone shows up for you, you're going to notice it and catalog it. And then when you might have an issue or someone sends you a text that hits you wrong and it's that person, then you get to offset that a little bit. Because your decision is going to be my impulse is to be angry with them and upset. And it supports that belief that I can't trust them. But they've also done all these other things that are trustworthy. So I'm going to maybe give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. I'm going to be generous in my assumption of them and and say, you know what, maybe I'll give them a pass on this. Maybe they're not feeling well. Maybe something's going on with them. And you're going to communicate with them in a different way. So maybe your communication with them, because you're going to have a different thought process, you're going to have different emotions. And so maybe your communication is going to be with them as, ouch, that kind of hurt. It hit me a little bit wrong. Did you mean it like this? And then the other person can clarify. So how you're going to meet that person is going to be a little bit different. And that's how it changes because you're making decisions from your new belief And the reason you're doing it is because you understand that the old belief is going to be very destructive in your life and has been. As you do this, and of course, being present in the moment is most important. We have to be aware. So for me, it was every time, you know, people are going to reject me because of how sensitive I am. But if I start saying to myself, actually, my sensitivity is a superpower. It allows me to connect. It allows me to empathize. It allows me to understand people, what they need, who they are. It allows me to help. It allows me to see the world in a very different way. And that's powerful. And actually, that's the reason why all these people came into my life to begin with. So when someone is doing something where I feel rejected, I get to look at that and say, am I being rejected? Is that really what's happening? Because I know what that old belief did to me. Do I want to repeat that? Or am I going to look at this person and this is a person that I love or care for? And I'm going to say that's not their intention. Maybe they're having a hard time. They're scared. They're upset. Something's going on. I'm going to take them in and I'm going to react in a different way. I'm going to make a decision that's more supportive of people loving me than people rejecting me. And it makes all the difference. Do I do it every time? No, (laughs) not even close to every time. 
there are times where I really overreact and I still get into that place. I still feel rejected. I still feel overly sensitive and overly emotional. Those things still happen, but it's not about being perfect. It's about doing it as often as possible. Mm -hmm. This is consistency. So take your new belief and try it for like the next week. Every time you make a decision. So like for Frank, every time someone does something where he's like, that is below board. And this is exactly why I feel like I can't trust people in that moment. He gets to go, Oh, this is the old belief. Wait a minute. I remember that's wait, where's my life headed? That's not a good direction for me to go in because I don't want to pay the cost of that. So let me take a step back for a second. Let me take a breath, work through it, maybe journal or ask the other person, did you mean it this way? And then you get to clarify. You get to straighten things out. You get to move in a different direction to make a different decision because our life is made up of the little decisions that we make every day. Work on being present as much as possible. Be aware. You create your own reality. We live in an energetic universe and the energy that you create, it comes from an internal space and it's projected out into your life. So if you want to be a happy, fulfilled, healthy, free person, create that space inside. As Frank mentioned in one of our other episodes, I love a good quote. Oh, you love quotes like, <laughs> like rabbits like carrots or something. Exactly. I have a quote for every life situation. I also have a movie quote for every life situation, but mm. that's a different podcast. <laughs> in the words of Marion Wright Edelman, you can't be what you can't see. So see this new belief in your head. See the life that you want to create for yourself and then act like it in the world because then it will become your reality. Even if you don't see it externally first, start inside. Try this process and see what you come up with and let us know. If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at RelationFixPod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us all about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. And if you like the episode, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the show and share it with all your loved ones. We can't wait to be with you again. I hope that you found value in this and I can't wait to hear about how it goes. Be well and we will see you next episode. See you next time.